verse in the whole Bible is Psalm 37, 4. Um, I used to pray this every single morning, actually. I would pray, I would walk around Tallahassee, like with a FSU's campus, and I would pray, delight yourself in the Lord, and he would give you the desires of your heart, okay? Now, understand, I always feel like I have to give a, like an, uh, like a whole side note, or people just get infuriated at me, okay? It's, I'm not saying God is like, you're just going to, like, if I delight in him, he'll give me Corvettes and mansions. I'm, this isn't prosperity <laughs> theology, okay? But here's how I know, and from the beginning, I was taught, about this verse correctly, which is the idea of, you know what, God will align my desires with his as I delight in him. And so it's really amazing. He kind of tricks you that way, you know. He's kind of like, I'll give you all the desires of your heart, and while you're delighting in me, all of your desires are going to become my desires. I'm like, that's kind of backhanded, isn't it? No, it's it's okay. It's a good thing. Um, But the truth of the matter is, is that's one of the things that God built every human being to do, to delight in him. And I wonder if when you had your quiet time, did you delight in him? You know, it's, it's easy not to, right? It's easy to just go, let me read so he can change me, and then I can go and do things. Instead of going, let me just, you know what's going to impact our friends and family and neighbors the most is when they run into people who delight in the Lord, right? Because that's just a good place to be, okay? And then you can even sing when no one else is singing and, and kind of laugh at it, you know? And so, uh, um, but what else are you grateful for? What else? Jody? I'm, I'm grateful for this church. Amen. I, really I, I, Amen. I was driving here this morning. It's funny how <laughs> what you just said. So I was driving this morning. I drove by Boscobel Golf Club. Yeah. They're having a big golf tournament out there. Oh, wow. A shotgun start at 10 o'clock. And there were tons of people all over there. Yeah. And I turned over and looked at them. And I didn't think, oh, man, I want to be over there. I, what, what I thought was, man, all those people are missing out on yeah. God right now. They're yeah. just out of the golf course. Yeah. They should come with me, you know. Yeah. I didn't swerve in and right. go make them all jump in my truck. Right. But, right. but, it, but that's kind of what I thought is that I get to, I get yes. to, they have to go play golf to find some yeah. type of, yeah. you know, and I get to go here and be with God and with his people. And I hey, remember, we get to gather. I, I love this church. Boy, amen. That is so good. That's the truth. I mean, I hope, I hope your, everyone's overflowing with that. I mean, this is really such a, amazing group man and and uh you know big or small we've had the flu we've had vacations we were talking earlier i said it's really funny because it seems like the church is on a revolving vacation schedule where uh, you know it's like everyone waits for the next family to go on vacation and then you know that kind of happens that way but um hopefully that really is a reality for all of us is that we are grateful for what god has given us um and uh, if you hadn't noticed we're not like a mega church you notice that? <laughs> okay. So looking around and going, man. So here's the deal is, is there isn't any excuse to get around and know everybody and, and appreciate everybody, right? Okay. So um, anything else Listen, what you got, buddy? I started reading Ecclesiastes today. Oh, man. Nothing says, matters. Yeah. <laughs> and it could be like slightly depressing. But yes. I think instead, I don't know, it was making me just think like I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful for my job. And I'm grateful yeah. for my house and all the things I have, but I'm yeah, grateful yeah. that that's not like it doesn't weird. have to be everything. Like, like huh? the, yeah, that, that's oh, so the, good. The fact that it is just a smoke. It's like you know, I enjoy these things in the moment, and there yeah. may be a day that I really don't enjoy my job and I have a different manager. But yeah, right now I'm really grateful for it, and I, I'm glad too that you know I have the eternal perspective. I think like, like you were saying about the golfers, like the fact that this is where the value in life is, and we yeah. can enjoy the other things, but yeah, yeah, don't have to have that. 
That's awesome. Isn't it great? We do kind of mess things up. We mess up God's gifts that he gives us. We turn them into Lord sometimes instead of just remembering who is giving us these things. And Ecclesiastes is great because it does remind us that, man, it's great to have a great job and it doesn't have to be what fulfills me, right? It's, it's awesome to be thankful to God for things and I don't have to look to them right, for, for ultimate significance and all that kind of stuff. And it, what's funny is, is when we have that attitude, we actually enjoy what God gives us even more. Yeah. Like we're able to really, um, like, lean into it and love it, right? I, I, I'm really grateful that this may sound cliche, but uh, for God. And yeah. the reason why I, that came to mind this morning is yesterday in my quiet time, I was reading about the different names of God and like Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Nisi, you know, our banner, and Jehovah Rapha, you know, our, the healer, and, and all these different names of God, and the, the idea that, that him being our banner, he's willing to go to war for us, yeah. you know, yeah. he's willing to, to come down and heal us and give us mm-hmm. what we need, and, yes. and I don't know, that it's good for me to be reminded of those yeah. things because I, I can forget and just think, man, yeah. the, he's just here to give me rules and regulations Mm-mm. and those kind of things when when my relationship with him is actually much deeper. Yeah. He wants much more than that. Absolutely. So. This is good, man. This is great. Why do we do this? I mean, here's the deal is, is hopefully before we open our Bibles, before we pray, before we come together, before we leave the house, before we walk on campus, before wherever... You know what's just a great habit to do is just thank God, right? I'm just, wherever I'm walking, God, thank you. You know, it was one of the things that I love is walking back here. If you haven't spent a lot of time, you can walk around the golf course back here in the morning. And I mean, it's beautiful. And the sun is shining and the lake is like rising up, which is really a beautiful sight. You know, the the shoreline is getting smaller, which is awesome. But just the beauty that God gives us. And and so hopefully, even as you're coming together, whether it's a cross training, whether it's a Bible talk, whether it's a family group time or a Sunday morning gathering or something like that, is that you aren't just like rushing into it. Like, let me make sure I get there right before time and then I can go ahead and get in there and get it done. But like having some time to like, man, let me just take a breath and maybe I just need to walk around out there and like look at the lake and be grateful and think about and just pray before I go in uh, of what I'm grateful for. And I get to be around awesome people who I'm grateful for. Right. Um, so that's the reason, man. Gratitude softens our hearts. It just does. Gratitude. Honestly, gratitude makes us love one another more. All right. It isn't everybody's perfect performance is going to make us love one another. It's really going to be grace and gratitude. All right. So anyway, um, Fishers of men, right? We're talking about this. We're in the book of Acts. If you haven't read the book of Acts before, I would encourage you to do so, okay? Is uh, read through it, get an idea of what's going on and where it's happening. This is like right after the resurrection. It's not that far after Jesus rose from the dead, okay? We're talking about like, you know, the start of the book of Acts is like seven weeks, roughly, from the resurrection, okay? I mean, it really isn't that long. And then this is a group of people coming around, and going, what should we do now? Right? I mean, hold on a minute. Well, well, well Peter, what'd y'all do in, in, in Bethsaida, where you came from? What'd y'all do for church on Sunday? <laughs> right? Hey, Andrew, what, what'd y'all do for church last Sunday? Uh, 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 what is church? <laughs> what is that? You know, I mean, I don't know. What, well, what do we do? Well, Jesus is gone. Well, what, what are you supposed to do? Okay, and then you see this group and you see what they did. All right, and there was so much that Jesus wrote on their hearts, and that's the beautiful thing about the book of Acts, right? 
I mean, the book of Acts, we see just Christianity in its rawest form, okay? And, and what I always share with people is, is, is don't get caught up in figuring out, well, what was their method of doing church? What was their method of, no, 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 no. It was pure relationship, okay? And, and, and they're human beings, so their methods changed, okay? To think that there was like one method of how they did Sunday morning or one method of what they did, it changed all the time for sure because we would do that too, right? So, um, so that's the great thing about the book of Acts. And we're trying to figure out, like, hold on a minute. These guys went out. They were told to follow me. Jesus said, hey, dude, follow me, right? Do what I would do. Love how I would love, sir. And I'm going to make you, I'm going to be transforming you from the inside out. And you're going to become fishers of men. You're going to go out and make an impact in this world. Okay? And we've been just talking about the different themes. Okay? We've been talking about like what, what are the large themes in the book of Acts. And hopefully you have been doing what Jody said and he talked about on Wednesday is, is the idea of going, going and checking out what I'm even saying when I preach. Or if somebody else... Uh, whatever they're saying when they're teaching. I, I think one of the things that can be in vogue is, is we can go, yeah, I'm going to be like a Berean. I'm not going to trust what that key says. But you never go and look it up. Like you just like, you like the anti version of that. You're like, no, nah, we're going to be against that guy preaching like a Berean. No, no, you don't understand. The Bereans actually went and studied it out. That's why they were noble. Not because they were just anti-authoritarian. You know, they're like, oh, that guy, he must be lying. <laughs> you know, but honestly, that can happen, man. I mean, it's just one of those things where, oh, the preacher's always wrong, and that I'm gonna be like a Berean and disagree with him. Wow. Well, the Bereans weren't disagreeable, <laughs> okay? They actually went back, and hopefully, you're doing that too, okay? Because I know that that was one of those things, man. Because when Jody said it, he said, hey, man, you can't listen to what Keith said, you got to go and study it out. There was a amen, <laughs> and so I'm gonna ask you, how many of y'all went and did that? Oh, no. Miss Linda did, huh? Come on, Miss Linda. You're a Berean. But here's the truth is, 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 listen, man, it's easy to go, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. And then if you do nothing, oh, my goodness, man, okay, that's not being a Berean. All right, so I'm going to tell you, hopefully you're taking it home and you're looking at it. I, I told somebody I'm going to lie about everything today to, to test you. <laughs> I'm going to take everything out of it's okay. And uh, there was a day when you were encouraged to do that, as me and Royce were talking about. <laughs> there was a day when that worked, and it just doesn't any longer because of people like Jody. <laughs> Taking the wind out of the preacher's sails. <laughs> Boy, it is. It's dumb. This is it. This is a, this is a theme that, that um, wow, it's hard when we're talking about, like, marrying this theme to our day-to-day, -day, especially in, in America. In, in where we live today, in, 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 in prosperous, our country is prosperous. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's amazing. Um, but when you think of resilience, this was something that the early church, man, they had on straight, right? The capacity to recover quickly from difficulty or just plain toughness. I love that we talk about uh, that Adam showed saving Private Ryan. Man, you know what we're losing? Just plain toughness anymore. Right? I, I'm not kidding you. We've done a pretty good job in the last decade. Let me tell you, man. Like, guys have, like, come out of the cave and been like, okay, I'm going to get in touch with my emotions. I'm going to be sensitive, and I'm going to talk about my insecurity and all that kind of stuff. I long for the days of men that are just like, let's go and fight. Like, let me get my knuckles bloody. Right? Let me go. Let's go and punch me in the jaw. Okay? And just do it because I want to. Let's go on. You know? Oh, it was so. Listen. Everything went wrong with the caveman. 
Okay, I'm just saying is, is the guy, you know, the, the, believe me, it's, it's the truth. Is my fear is, is that, here, here's the deal is, we're it, just as people getting softer and softer and softer. Okay, and I'm not kidding you, and I'm trying to be, listen, I, I, I'm trying to get help because I, I want to be sensitive to the young college guys and stuff. I want so badly to be sensitive to you. And at the same time, you know what I want to do is punch you in the jaw just so you won't cry. Okay, it's going, no, Keith, come on, hit me again, man. I'm going to be tough, okay? It's, I don't mean out of anger. I just mean like, like, not at all. No, 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 I don't mean out of anger. But, but here's the deal is, 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 is when, when men stop being men, and I don't mean, I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm not talking about being insensitive. I'm talking about just there is a toughness. Of like, listen, you can knock me down, I'm getting back up. And that's not just a guy's thing. I'm off on a tangent on a guy's thing because I'm a guy, okay? Like, girls, you need to be tough too, all right? But I am saying, like, there ha- we are getting softer and softer. And what happens is, is the softer you get, then little things that shouldn't really hurt us start hurting us, yeah. right? It, it's so funny because, I, it, you know, if you haven't watched Band of Brothers yet, okay, it's, it's, you got to watch. Ten, that's the best 10 hours of your life, okay? It's going to happen as a young man. Is Band of Brothers, okay? And, and then you go back, and there's an hour and a half long um, documentary on the documentary. And it interviews the guys who literally, like, parachuted into Normandy and, ended, and, and went all the way through Europe and fought their way through the Battle of the Bulge, almost froze to death, and made it up to Hitler's like eagle's nest to end the war in Europe, right? And, and this was these guys. And the thing about this is these guys are tough as nails, man. I mean, I watch this stuff, and I'm like, I want to be just like you, man. You almost froze, and then you were like taking the gun out of your friend's dead hands to shoot the enemy. You know, it's just like, I'm going, my goodness. And believe me when I say this, this is, I am so glad that World War II did not happen in our era. Because this is a different, this is a different group of men. We are a different country. We are a different group of people. I mean, it was like they didn't complain about anything. Okay, resilience is about the capacity to recover. I want you to ask yourself, how resilient am I as a disciple? How resilient, or is it like, oh man, Ben, he kind of talked to me, kind of mean. It hurts. Like I'm not gonna have a quiet time this week. Because how he talked to me hurt my feelings. Man, in group of three this week, Kim, she, it seemed like she was angry at me, and that hurt. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> did you do that? Oh, okay. I didn't think so either. I'm like, did, Kim, did you say that about Kim? <laughs> All right, that's the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> you know, um, every Saturday morning, you didn't have to pay for boxing in the 80s. Every Saturday morning, the best boxers were fighting. Man, the best guys. Miss Linda's like, that's right, Sugar Ray Leonard was fighting. <laughs> hey, man, I saw no moss on Saturday morning, right? But the thing about this, I want you to think about this, is, is um, can you take a punch? And I don't mean a physical punch. Because here, here's what's going to happen is, is, is the world is, is doing this. <laughs> this is happening, Right? Unfortunately, a lot of times this is what ends up happening. We're sitting there where the ref is counting us out, right? We're going, oh, that hurt bad, all right? Um, we did, my little brother's a black belt in Taekwondo, and a bunch of his buddies, uh, they all started this kickboxing studio and got us to go and do some kickboxing with him. 
okay? And uh, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts to get kicked in the head. It hurts, okay? But you know how you get better at taking a punch? You take a lot of punches. You get kicked in the head enough times, you're like, okay, I can defend, and I can, like, still hang in there when I get my bell rung, okay? I think this happens with disciples, okay? It doesn't look like this, though. It, it doesn't look like, oh, man, it looks like somebody's counting him out. It just looks like an unenthused, apathetic, bored, not really contributing anything disciple. And you're getting counted out because you're like, nah, man, I... I was hurt, man. This person did this to me, and that person did that to me. Some of you guys, some of the younger guys, you've grown up and you heard about, oh, man, the church hurt people, and the church did this, and my parents were so hurt, and all that kind of stuff. And here's what I'm going to tell you is, is, is there's no place on earth you can go and not get hurt. <laughs> there, there just isn't. Like, really, if you want a church that you're going to go, no, 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 I want it to be perfectly safe, perfectly perfect, where I'm not going to get hurt, where everybody's exactly like Jesus, except for me. That church will never exist on this planet. That's unhealthy expectations even, okay? And the deal is, is this is what happens. I love about, here's what I love about the first century church though, man, is the first century church, there was a resilience of of like pretty significant things. These are a few, I'm leaving out a lot, okay? But there's a few right here and we need to get that light fixed because it's ruining the PowerPoint, okay? Uh, It says here in Acts chapter five, verse 17, Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the parties of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and put them in jail. Okay, Can you imagine if somebody just was, because they were jealous of you, put you in jail? All right, somebody just didn't like what you were doing. All right, and they just didn't, you know, could you imagine somebody so spiteful? Could you imagine going to BMW or going to work, going somewhere, and, and your boss or coworker or something, they were so spiteful, you didn't even do anything wrong. They were just jealous of you, and they got you thrown in jail. How angry would you be? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that working? Yeah, no. <laughs> Turn that light back on, it's all right. <laughs> Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, hit it harder if it doesn't work. That's, that's the lesson of today, okay? But Acts 5.17, you, you can look in your Bible on this one, is, is Peter and James and John and Andrew, all these guys are going out, and, and they were just, you had people who were just jealous of them. Um, how angry would you be? How vengeful would you want to be? How hurt would you be? How, you, you name it, you know, if just somebody just out of spite wanted to watch you suffer, okay? That's what happened in the first century church. Saul approved. This is, uh, so their brother Stephen was killed, all right? And it says Saul approved of their killing. So you have this guy, he's like, I'm approving what's going on here. Uh, and on that day, a great, it says a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And everyone except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, all right? If something were to happen today and you couldn't go home to get anything, you just had to get out of Clemson from here. That something so bad were to be happening in town that you knew you couldn't even go back to get your car or your clothes or your books or anything. You were just scattered for good. Like there's no coming back. And think about like that first morning when you wake up and you realize all my stuff is gone and my house is gone. And my cars are gone. And my clothes are gone. And I don't have anything. I have nothing. 
Well, what are we going to do today? Just keep walking. Just get out. Just keep walking. Why? Because there's such a great persecution. They killed Stephen. We saw Stephen get killed. Just go. Right? Could you imagine? Could you imagine the fear? Oftentimes, we, we can't really imagine that. That's what happened in the early church. Acts 16 says the crowd joined in on the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Wow, man. I mean, have, it, I'm, I'm not even going to ask that. I mean, they're in this soul in here that's had that happen to them. Stripped down and beaten with rods, like having men around you beating you. All right? After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown in prison. After you beat these guys bloody, and then they're like, we're going to put a guy on you to watch those guys cl- closely. Right? Can, this is really, isn't it tough to like take what was going on there and go, hmm, well, I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of emotion there because that doesn't happen to us. What would happen today if you got hauled in and somebody just beat you to a pulp? All right. I, I, I don't even know what would happen. I, I mean, I don't know what kind of like, it goes back to resilience. Like, how tough am I? Like, how, how tough am I? Like, okay, you can take a punch. I can take, like, this is really what the world is doing to us. Here's the interesting thing about this, though, okay? As you read in Acts chapter 5, this was the verse we looked at originally here about how they were filled with jealousy and they arrested the apostles, okay? Here's what happened after that, okay? Let me turn this light out here. This is really bothering me, too. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Okay, so let's put it in our context. No one, we've all agreed, we haven't been beaten and flogged physically, okay? Would you say when you left this morning, your house, or when you go on campus, or when you go to work, or when something like that happens, when you go and do that, are you rejoicing? Like, like the reason why I'm asking that question is because these guys rejoiced after they were beaten. All right? So what, what could the excuse possibly be for us not taking a beating to go out and be joyful? Right? You, you see what I'm saying? Here is, is this idea of this was the response of men who had been beaten and jailed. They went out and rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer disgrace for Jesus' name. They're like, this is the awesomest thing in the world. They beat us up because we love Jesus. Day after day, in the temple courts, and from house to house, they didn't ever stop teaching and proclaiming the good news, okay? So again, this is folks that have been jailed and beaten, okay? Question right here. And, and let me just share this and be really like honest. When I'm preparing this, I'm looking at this and going, hold on a minute. This is, I'm, the questions I'm asking to you are the questions I'm asking to me, okay? I mean, no, well, is he just asking this of me? No, 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 no. Listen, for real, I'm looking at this going, hold on. Let me question my heart on this, Okay? Because the truth of the matter is when I think of what would stop me or you from going out and proclaiming the good news? What stopped you this week? What stopped you this week from going out and proclaiming the good news? Because our brothers in the first century 
a beating and jailing couldn't stop them. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you, you see a resilience of going, wow, you mean people who are beat down and bloody? And I mean, you know, have you ever had, you ever just woke up? Maybe you just had sore muscles. Maybe you had an injury. Maybe you had a surgery. Maybe you had something like that. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to church today. What if you got beaten? Concussion. Broken bones. Broken ribs. You ever had broken ribs before? I mean, that's usually where you're going to take it. Broken ribs hurt to think. When you think with broken ribs, your body hurts. That's how painful broken ribs are, okay? They said they, they were rejoicing, and they said, we can't stop it. Like, we can't stop. The question is, what stopped you this week? What actually stopped you this week? All right? What, what stopped you from encouraging someone every single day? What stopped you from... from, from being enthusiastic about Jesus what stopped you from being thankful what stopped you because these guys this is how resilient they were they're like you beat us down this is awesome this is what we signed up for this is a incredible right in Acts 8 we've seen this verse already uh, Saul approved the killing of Stephen a great persecution the apostles everyone except the apostles were scattered and what they do they moped no those who have been scattered preach the word wherever they went. All right, remember the word is the gospel to them. It's the good news, okay? Could you imagine that? You lost everything. And it's like, where'd we go? Oh, there's this little town over here, this big city over here, this thing over here. And it's just like, they said the, the, that's what they did. What would happen if you lost everything today? Could you conjure up enough of the gospel to even share with anybody? Because why I'm saying all this is I study this out. I love seeing the resilience of our first century brothers and sisters, right? And I'm looking at myself and going, wow. Um, there's really a overfed, undisturbed, man. I, I mean, we are so comfortable yeah. where we are, right? And, and they're going, and what can stop us is a bad mood. Yep. Just a bad mood. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. They didn't have a bed to wake up on, probably. There was no side they woke up on. You think, what, a, a bad mood. Um, somebody I don't like. Somebody that did hurt my feelings. Somebody that didn't talk to me right. Somebody, you know, and gone, well, I'm so filled with bitterness all day, I didn't even stop to proclaim the gospel. What do you think of the, one of our brothers and sisters who was scattered, what if they transported right into our lives and they were a part of our family group, they were a part of our group of three? What would they say, do you think, about some of the conversations we'd have with one another? You know? I think they would be like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, like, let's go. Let's do this thing, right? I mean, this is what they did. In Acts 11, it says, Now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed... They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also because at first, the scattered folks, they were just like, we're just going to talk to people like us, like Jews. We're going to talk to them. A few guys were like, why are we just talking to Jews? There's a lot of people out here. Let's start proclaiming the gospel to them, telling them the good news about Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. They're just scattered around, you know, just walking around going, you know, I mean, could you imagine could for us doing that? Like, well, 
how would I do that? Like, what would I invite them to? <laughs> like, hey, we're just going through, going through town. You're like, well, I can't really proclaim the gospel because what would I invite them to? <laughs> Friday Night Devo? <laughs> I mean, we think that way. We're like, oh, you can't make disciples unless there's Bible talk. What about cross training? <laughs> I mean, how are we supposed to proclaim the gospel? What if it was just like, no, dude, it's just me and you. Just me and you. Right? It's amazing their resilience, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about a people who they have every reason in the world to go, I don't feel like it right now. I've got my kids with me. I've got my pets with me. I've got my whatever. And I just don't feel like doing this right now. I mean, the resilience, the toughness of like, we're getting back on our feet. Right? I love that. And in Acts 16, when they were severely flogged, they were stripped, beaten with rods. And what did you find Paul and Silas doing? Praying and singing hymns. Like singing hymns, man. Nobody sings hymns. You don't get fired up singing hymns. You get fired up singing like contemporary songs. It's just amazing to me, man. Because, I mean, again, for us, it's like, uh, hold on a minute. Uh, Like unless the singing is like perfect, like there's going to be something wrong. I'm like, you got two bloody beaten men in the... I'm sure it wasn't like acoustically sound down there in the inner room, okay? They're just singing. I'll bet you it was the best singing that you've ever heard before, all right? I just think we are so spoiled and soft because we're like, oh, unless everybody's like singing perfectly and it's like everything's like this awesome perform. I just can't get into it. Well, go get beaten and maybe you'll get into it. For real, like go get, let somebody beat you up and then come in here. I go, oh, this is awesome. Singing hymns is great. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's just we're soft and we're overfed and we want so much to be given to us and we forget who God is. Right? And we're so so anyway, that's the thing is, is I'm going, wow, I honestly feel like if Paul led a group of three I was in, he would probably beat me up. (laughs) Okay? He'd be like, come here, let me show you what they did to me and me and Silas. Come here, son. Now we're going to have a singing service. You know, and you're just like, ah, it hurts so bad. You know, but here's the deal. I mean, honestly, why this was challenging to me is because when I look at this, I go, I have no excuse. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we're talking about taking a punch and being tough, and I'm going, "I, I don't have any excuse. I'm in a slap fight, (laughs) right? I mean, it doesn't hurt unless I'm just not used to taking it. Then I'm like, always hurt. These guys were praying after they had been severely flogged, okay? I mean, it's stunning if you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ. I mean, to see Jesus and what a flogging was. It's like uh, so many times they took you to the brink of death. Is what they would do, okay? Like they would beat you to, they were so good at it. They knew what would kill you and they would stop right beforehand. Can you imagine that? Like bringing you to the point of death and then going, hey, uh, okay, uh, guys, we're going to sing a hymn right now. Ready? Jesus is Lord. <laughs> no, let me, look, I have no teeth, right? I've been beaten. All my ribs are broken. It's just, I'm going, these guys were so resilient. These guys were so tough and so strong. And at the same time, you all know what? They were real. They were emotionally, heart and soul, like real, okay? They weren't a bunch of cavemen running around. 
Here's the thing, and, and I do, I feel like an expert because I feel like um, every one of these here, I, I can get a PhD in. The, what kills resilience? Excuses. Now, now, let me start out with saying this, okay, is if you, think, if you, and I hope you do, have a brother or sister in your life that are not going to be okay with you having this, believe me, be prepared to be angry at them. There isn't anything that makes me angry, okay? I, this is what I love. One of the things I love about my wife is she will not allow this. <laughs> like, she is my number one discipling partner, man. Okay? I don't need to go out of the house for it. I mean, she is like, listen, if there's excuses, and you all know nothing makes me angry, because tell me if you've ever done this before, okay? You're making excuses, and somebody's like, it's just an excuse. Like, get over it. But you won't listen to me. But you don't even care what happened to me. You won't even let me finish my sentence. Right, because it's an excuse. And it's not going to help you to finish your sentence, okay? Here's the deal is training to be tough is painful and it makes you sore. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you to the point of anger and going, wow, thank God I have people in my life that are like, Keith, there is no excuses, son. <laughs> okay? And sometimes that hurts as bad as anything. Is somebody is not going to let me just make excuses. If this were the case, and if that were the case, and if this happened, and if that happened, and if, oh my goodness, here's the deal is there is, uh, what, what that is is just like, man, that's going to kill resilience. If Stephen hadn't have been out there like popping off like he always does and he got himself killed, now we don't have a house. <laughs> right. <laughs> Victimization, Right. Is, is that, man, you're victim. I mean, it's, people are against you. Literally, people were against them. <laughs> okay, it wasn't like up for grabs. People were like, no, I'm jealous of you, and I have the power to throw you in jail, so that's what I'm going to do, okay? V- victimization, there's, there's a weird feeling, and, and I don't know how yours feels. I know how mine feels, is it gives me justification to behave however I want to behave and say whatever I want to say. And think whatever I want to think because I'm justified, because I've been victimized. It's interesting if you've never read the book, uh, the Me- uh, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yeah, F-R-A-N-K-L. Read it, the first half of it anyway. Please do so. Is he was in, he, he, as a younger man, he was in a concentration camp in World War II. Um. Boy, that's a victim right there for real, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, none of the people hate you because of what you believe, and they're trying to kill you and all your people, okay? And he decided that, you know what? Um, no one can keep me from having the right attitude. <laughs> can you imagine that? Like, I'm not talking about in Clemson, South Carolina, you know, and we just, oh, man, we didn't get the national championship this year. Oh, it's so painful. I'm talking about a concentration camp. I like your people are dying. He's going, you want to know what? There ain't a soul in here that can, that can take away me having the right attitude. And I'm taking someone with me. I'm going to help people have the right attitude. He was credited by people with me, helping them live through the concentration camp. Holy moly. You want to talk about some resilience and going, he actually could say, I am a victim. 
And I think in most cases, we can't say that. We really can't. I mean, there isn't. Listen, I know we can get in all kinds of conspiracies about people are sitting at home and like, <laughs> how can we get at Riley? How can we, you know, like, no, it's not happening, okay? And then, you know, these are all kind of like cousins of one another, the poor me syndrome. And poor me. And I hope you have a brother or sister, a spouse, people in your life that are going, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop it. Right? I mean, take a look at what you have. I know I have all this good stuff, but I mean, you know, if life was just a little easier for me. That's one of the reasons I'm telling you, if you aren't watching the Olympics, you're missing out. That's one of the things I love about it because you hear stories of people going, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. Yeah, okay. I mean, things might have been happening bad when I was younger and I didn't have everything given to me and I wasn't able to go to the best schools and I didn't have all the greatest coaches. And then they're getting gold medals and going, wow, that's a, that's, I could learn something from their resilience. All right. Because I didn't have any of that stuff. My parents stayed together and I grew up in an affluent place. And, you know, we had, we had a bully in school, but you know what? I'm grateful for that guy. I'm not kidding you. I'm like, I remember in sixth grade walking around and this kid was such a bully. And he would come up and he would dead leg me in the thigh. You ever had that from somebody? Like, you're walking to class and I already knew he was on the hunt for me. And so I'm like, I'm walking and I'm like, and then out of nowhere, boom. And I'm like, what's up with that? He's like, let's go, let's fight. And I'm like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> that dude, he's in jail still, right? I mean, he is not a good man, okay? And, but, but the truth of the matter is, is here's what the deal was about that is my mom didn't come down and help me. My dad didn't come down and help me. You know what? I had to figure out how to survive. <laughs> I had to figure out like, okay, he's going to be a bully. How am I going to make it? Because no one's going to listen to me whining and moping, right? And, and you want to know what? I made it. Hey, I got straight C's and D's in college. I made it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> right, C's for Jesus. <laughs> but why I'm saying that is, is and, and, and hopefully you're not thinking, I don't know what people are watching online and going, oh, he's so insensitive about bullying, and it's so different with social media. I'm not saying to go out and be a bully. I'm just saying, here, here's the deal is, I'm grateful for some of the things that happened to me in my life that were done by just mean people that I didn't have an outlet to go and whine to somebody about it. Like, it was like, no, you still go to class and get good grades and just keep your eyes open for that kid. I don't want to say his name because if he's watching in prison somewhere, he's going to come and get me, okay? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Those are, that's three killers right there, man. Now, here's the funny thing, though. Here's the funny thing about what I need to be resilient about. This is, this is the, the interesting thing. In my mind, there's one thing I need to be resilient about. It's all the people that hurt me. I need to be resilient. Except there's more things to be resilient. Because you want to know what? If you were to weigh all the things in, in Keith's life about what I need to be resilient for, the people who have hurt me is the smallest of all the groups I'm about to share. You know who's, who, who has messed me up more than anybody? Dude, really? Me? (laughs) That is so insensitive. That hurt me that you said that. (laughs) It's me. It's me. All right? It's it's what I've done. It's how I've treated people. It's it's the sin that I've committed. Right? 
It's all of those things. I mean, it's, it's so funny even today. Have you ever noticed this? And maybe, oh, gosh, man, I hope you haven't done it. I know it happens, though, is you get, like, you get in sin or you get caught in sin. And then all of a sudden, you're angry at your brothers and sisters. Y'all have done it. I can tell by the silence. <laughs> you're like, don't say anything or he'll find out. <laughs> Believe me, that's what sin's supposed to do. Is instead of going, you know why I'm suffering right now? Man, I remember as a young Christian having just being so immoral. And the funny thing about it is, is it was so easy for me at those times to find out what was wrong with everyone else. And to be angry about how they weren't talking to me the right way. And and, and be angry about all this other stuff. And you know what's so funny is, is I was the one that that was the problem. And, and, and me going, hold on, Keith, you know what you need to do, dude? Repent and get up off the mat. Yeah. Okay? Take responsibility. That's a, that goes a long ways with resiliency. Is going, it's no one but me. Like, I'm angry at Brent because I was immoral? <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. It, believe me, it's happening more and more in the church. Okay? And we've got to fight against that with everything because that's exactly what Satan wants. Is, is listen, let us sin. And then go get angry at someone else about what they're doing. Wow, man, that is tough. Three principles. So there's three killers, three principles. 2 Timothy 2.15. I, I love this part. One of the things I tell Reese all the time, right? I mean, there's an A-B principle that we talk about, okay? Don't embarrass your father right now. What is the A-B principle? That's not true. I used it last week. <laughs> yes. What is it? No, you didn't. You're trying to get your dad in trouble, okay? <laughs> You're grounded when we get home, son. Is good attitude and do your best every single day. Good attitude, do your best. Good attitude, do your best. That's the expectation is have a good attitude and do your best. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourself as one approved. Do your best. Here's the funny thing about this is think about it right now. When you're thinking about what do I need to be resilient and tougher about and get up off the canvas and stop moping and stop worrying and being hurt and all that kind of stuff is to go, am I doing my best? Hmm. Like, am I doing my best? Because it doesn't take much to pray. It doesn't take much to study my Bible. Like, I'm talking about like exerting energy. It doesn't take a whole lot, okay? But, but I think so often what's in, what ends up happening is, is that we... We, we kind of get hurt and mopey and, and, and unresilient and untough and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of the day going, you know, I don't really pray and I don't really study my Bible. Like, just passionately get in there and study my Bible. Like, man, let that word carve me up, right? And really praying. Before I say anything, am I praying about it, right? Is, are you doing your best, that's going to go a long ways with being resilient. Turn over to Galatians 6. We've got to read this section right here, okay? Galatians chapter 6 is, uh, man, what a golden nugget right here uh, that Paul writes. Galatians chapter 6 um, could be an anthem for our time uh, today. Galatians chapter 6, verse... Uh, Verse 1, brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore that person with a gentle spirit. 
But watch out that you won't be tempted too. Carry one another's burdens in this way and you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Okay, so I mean, it's just this starts out with humility. If anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each person should examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in himself alone and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. And some of your versions even talk about without comparing yourself to someone else. Like, hey, live your life in a way that you'll be unashamed. No matter what anyone else is doing, am I living in a way that's unashamed? You're going, man, I really hate talking about being fishers of men. And and people are judging me because I'm not reaching out to my neighbors and people are doing. And going, hold on a minute. Let me examine my own actions. And am I even doing anything? Before I start getting weird about what I think everyone else is thinking about me, am I doing my best? And am I even doing anything about it? Like, is there anything? Let me test my own actions. Right? Like, put myself on trial first. Isn't it so easy? There is nothing I enjoy more. And I'll use Patrick as an example, okay? Because I don't even remember doing this in the last day. All right? Is when Patrick, you, you feel like he's done something wrong, okay? And then you sit there and you put his actions on trial. Have you ever done that? And they get worse and worse every time you think about it. You guys have done that before, right? Yeah. With Patrick, you mean? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Byron. Yeah, but it's that idea of going, the more I run it through my head, instead of going, hold on a minute, let me put it up there and test what I'm doing and how I'm dealing with this and how I'm following Jesus. It's really amazing. I, I, I give up. My, my, my perceived right to control everyone. Okay? It goes a long way with resilience. And then Hebrews 12, too. Turn over to the book of Hebrews right here. And this is going to take us right into um, our communion as well. Okay? Is the um, book of Hebrews. Verse uh, 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let's run with endurance the race that's marked out before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is what goes a long ways. He said, hey, listen, run the race marked out for you. All right? Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and again, we've shared this, and I hope it's burned on your heart. This is not us going into a stadium and and people like rooting us on, all the martyrs rooting us on. This isn't what it is. We're not, listen, we don't get to walk into a stadium and everybody roots us on in Christianity. Okay? It's it's the idea of since people died for their faith, because you have seen people die for this, run with endurance, run with resilience. Right. Here's the interesting thing about both of these things is, is that there's a false understanding that if I if I hold my heart back, I won't get hurt. You'll still get hurt. You just will have no fulfillment in life. You're going to get the worst of all of both worlds. Okay, the best advice we ever received when we moved down to South Florida, um, we were coming out of a situation that was one of my hardest in, in my entire life as a disciple. 
All right, we had been coming out of a situation. We moved down to South Florida, and we were going to be working for the church down there. And we knew we were going to be there. Like all, the only amount of money they had was for 12 months. That's all they had. They didn't have any more money, so we knew this is going to be kind of a short-term thing. And so it would have been very easy for us to go down there hurt and feeling kind of like bruised and broken and hobbling and go down there and let's get people to help us and to mend us back together and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one of the guys on staff said, here's what we want you to do when you come down here. I mean, from step one, you give your heart all the way. That was the best advice we ever had. That was the best. At that point, I could not imagine the nine months being that incredible. All right. And you know what was funny is, is when we left, it was painful when we left. Because I think in the span of nine months, I think we entwined ourselves in the hearts of brothers and sisters like never before. Wow. It was hard to leave after nine months. Guys, this is a plague, especially for you young guys, is you will not give your heart. You're going, because you're not going to, because it's going to hurt at some point. And yes, it will. All right. But consider... Read this next verse right here um, in Hebrews 12. But consider him who endured the cross and despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of God's throne, okay? Is, is there's a side of it where you have to be so like, my heart is all the way in this, okay? And I think sometimes it's so easy to hold back and go, man, okay, I'm not going to give everything here. I'm not going to give everything here because I'm only going to be here for a few years, Okay, and then I'll go back and give everything somewhere else. Or I'm not going to give everything here because there's another place I'd rather be. Or I'm not going to give everything right now. I'm going to hold back. Right? That isn't following Jesus. That isn't following Jesus, okay? It's we're holding our hearts back when we're just going through the motions. When we talk about attendance to things, okay? Rather than what Jody talked about is it's not about a have to, it's about a get to. Right, that's your heart's all the way in, man. Is I'm all the way in the good, the bad, and the ugly with this group. I'm all the way in on that. All right, but but my fear is is that is happening less and less, especially with the younger generation of disciples. Is let me hold back, okay? Let me give my heart somewhere else when the time comes, or let me just hold back because I don't want to get hurt. Okay, is hey that comes with the territory because. We followed Jesus, who was hurt and betrayed. It happens. It just, it, it's, it's built into the process of following Jesus. All right? And so as we're, as we're even as we're thinking about this, okay, is, is I want you to even think about a, a few things, and I kind of left it out of, of, of the class this morning. Um, but the one thing that always comes into my mind is, no matter what's going on, and, and understand, I, I want to be very clear, is um, what you're going through right now that's hard, it's hard. I get that. Okay? I get that it's hard. But here's what I'm saying is, is I think our resilience level's got to come up. Okay? I'm not where you are, it is hard. And it's going to take a lot of praying, and it's going to take a lot of, like, fighting for our faith to, like, become more resilient, Okay? But here's one of the things that I think of a lot of times. 2 Samuel 16, um, David's like on his horse, like heading out of Jerusalem because his son Absalom has come. And it's like, I'm the king. <laughs> I just took it right out from underneath dad's feet, right? And as he's like galloping along, there's this dude named Shimei. Have you ever heard of Shimei? Oh, boy, Shimei infuriates me. Shimei comes out because he's in, he's in Saul's family. 
If you know anything about the history, right, David and Saul, David was the king after Saul, right? And, and David and Saul didn't get along too well in, in many cases, okay? And Shimei's coming out, and he's watching this, like, just beat down David, who's just hangdog, tail between his legs, coming out of, you know, lost the monarchy to his son. And Shimei comes out and starts throwing things at him and cursing at him and yelling at him, all right? Can you imagine in your worst times when you're moping around and you have somebody come out and they are enjoying it and they're heaping on, okay? And you have a sword at your side. And you know what? One of, I love this. One of David's buddies, I love this guy so much. The guy said, listen, King David, can I go kill him? <laughs> you got to have a friend like that sometimes, you know, who's <laughs> like, let me go kill him for you. I mean, this is wrong what you're doing. And you know what David said? Maybe God told him to say that to me. Like, don't touch him. Because that's what God may want him to say to me. While I'm moping out of town, God may have told him to go curse that guy and throw rocks at him because he, he needs it. Can you ever imagine God saying that? No, no, no. I mean, it's not hard to imagine. We have the book of Job. I mean, it's not hard to imagine that God's like, yeah, I know what's going on. So even when things are difficult and we want to lash out and protect ourselves and all that kind of stuff, I love David's, David's thought. And that's not a theology. I'm not saying God does. I'm just saying I love David's heart. I've gone, you know what? There's a, probably a pretty good chance God wants him to do that to me. Boy, that's a resilient man right there. That's a resilient man right here. Yeah. Here's the ultimate question, right, that hopefully we ask ourselves every single day. Whether we're hurt, maybe you're on the, maybe that's you. You're like that boxer. You're down, and the ref is counting you out, and you're getting more, like you hurt, and you just can't get enough energy to get going. Here's the question. If Jesus woke up as you today or tomorrow or last week, would he do life the way you're doing it? What would he have done differently? What would he have done differently? Knowing that he still had to do the responsibilities of your life too. Would he have done something differently than you did? Because if he, th this is the mindset we want to have is, hold on a minute, when Jesus was hurt, what did he do? When, when people spoke against him, what did he do? Right? It, it's, it's so amazing because we have it written out very clearly is, is he didn't lash out. He didn't defend himself. You're going, are you kidding me? Yes. Run, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised its shame. And now he sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. He says, in struggling against sin, you haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood. Holy mackerel. I mean, that is like tough right there. He says, endure so you don't grow weary. Right? When we're not weary and we're grateful and we understand the gospel, you want to know what we become? 
joyful, enthusiastic. We become like, hey, let me help you up. There are times we need help up. This isn't like, hey, Byron, let it. No, no, no. I think God wants us to leave him alone and struggle for a little while. It's like, no, let, let me help you up. But I can help you so much more. Right? When I am like, oh, man, let me remember to be grateful and let me like, let, let me be in the word. Let me pray. Let me be enthusiastic. Let me love God. Let me delight in him. I can help people so much more. Right? It says, consider that so you don't grow weary. I think sometimes, man, you know, things have happened. Things had not gone your way. Life hadn't gone your way. You know, uh, bad things have happened. People have done mean things to you. This is, the, this is really the, our, all of our autobiography. And going, here's the thing is, remember Jesus so you don't grow weary. Because when you grow weary, you just get kind of stale, right? I love this about the first century church. They were resilient. So as we take...